0: Hey y'all, what if you really could change your life? If there was a way to be healthy and intentional in every area of your life? Good news, there is. And we show you how each week on All of You Hold, hosted by me, Caroline Fossil, entrepreneur, wellness expert, author, and speaker. Every episode is an in-depth look at how to help you get unstuck, be brave in your life choices, and have a meaningful life. All either from my own experiences or from the experts I interview. My goal is to help you build a healthy, connected, and intentional life that fulfills your greatest purpose. Welcome back to the show, Chaz. I'm so excited for you to be here.
1: I mean, I'm excited to be here as well. (laughs) You're definitely enough for you to ask me back.
0: I know. You're definitely my favorite podcast guest, I can say that. And <laughs> you've been on here more than anyone else so look at you go for people who don't know this is my husband dr Chaz fossil md i do not call him that privately Chaz, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do professionally
1: sure so i went to medical school in augusta georgia got my md And did a residency in something called physical medicine and rehabilitation, which focuses on people with sports pain management type procedures and pain issues, as well as people who need rehab from neurological complications like stroke, brain injury, spinal cord injury, and people who just are too sick to go home, but not strong enough to go home yet. So From
0: from like an actual hospital stay.
1: Yep. And so most of the people that I see are... In the inpatient hospital setting, I also did a fellowship in basically what we're talking about today, which is regenerative medicine. I did that at Centeno Schultz Clinic out in Broomfield, Colorado, which was one of the first places in the world to do these types of injections that we'll be talking about. So I got to learn under some of the best.
0: Yeah, awesome. And now you kind of split your time both on the rehab hospital side and clinic, training doctors, doing these procedures, all of that, which is so fun. So just like I'm saying, you have many jobs and wear many hats that have really diversified, but doing stem cell and PRP injections is part of one of your jobs. So let's start at the very beginning, at the basics for people who have no idea what we're even talking about. So can you tell us what are stem cells and what is PRP?
1: Sure. So the longer discussion of that probably goes back to what causes healing. Yeah. And from a musculoskeletal standpoint, which is my approach, I I really don't deal with other things that someone might use PRP or bone marrow uh, concentrate for. From the musculoskeletal standpoint, a lot of the issues we treat with these types of treatments are due to chronic inflammation. This isn't necessarily the same as chronic inflammation due to Crohn's disease or an autoimmune condition, rheumatoid arthritis, et cetera. But there's some similar overlaps in some ways. Mm -hmm. What we're trying to do with any sort of regenerative type injection is to create an acute inflammation or a new inflammation to cause healing. Mm -hmm. Your body uses inflammation, good inflammation or new inflammation to essentially instigate a healing response, a healing cascade to rebuild tissue, to tighten up areas that have gotten loose or to cause structural rearrangement in areas that have gotten beaten up. And so that's kind of what we're harnessing. And I usually tell my patients on that side, if you were to cut yourself shaving your legs or your face or whatever you're shaving, (laughs) you get a little scab. That scab, if you put it under a microscope, is just full of platelets, Mm. What happens as that scab starts to kind of remold itself is the platelets on the underside that you can't see are breaking open and releasing these things called growth factors and cytokines. Some cytokines are bad. Some cytokines are good growth factors and cytokines from platelets tends to instigate that healing process. And so what we're trying to do is harness that same power by pulling platelets out of your blood in the instance of PRP and causing that same kind of healing process in areas that don't usually have good blood flow. So areas like in your back, tendons in your shoulder, wherever, joint spaces, all these areas are notorious from a musculoskeletal standpoint of really not having good steady blood flow. And so they don't heal themselves very well. If you cut your tongue, it'll bleed a lot and it'll heal really, really well. I'm not going to have an issue with that. But if you injure an area that doesn't have good blood flow, like a joint or a disc or a ligament or a tendon, it's going to take a long time because the supply and the demand are mismatched. So we're yeah. basically trying to increase supply by introducing all these growth factors, cytokines, these chemical signals that can instigate that healing process.
0: Yeah. So can you tell us what PRP stands for?
1: PRP stands for platelet-rich plasma. Plasma is the part of your blood that doesn't include your red blood cells. So when you go and do a blood draw at the hospital, you get labs done, or if you go into a blood donation, what they will actually do is is spin it down. And when they spin it, heavier parts go to one side, lighter parts go to the other side. The heavier parts tend to be more of like the red blood cells. So what Mm -hmm. we think of when we think of blood, those carry
0: oxygen
1: all over our body, but they're not good for healing. Mm. And the other part of it, is plasma about half or two thirds, depending on the person, depending on how well hydrated they are, etc. About mm-hmm. half or two thirds is plasma. Inside of that plasma is where we find platelets and growth factors and all kinds of other molecules that are, are tend to be good for things like healing. Yeah, so we cool. Concentrate the platelets outside of the blood. We pull the thinner parts of the plasma off, and we get this little platelet pellet. And then we resuspend that platelet pellet back into plasma. And that kind of gives us the concentration we need above and beyond what your body can supply. Right.
0: So essentially what you're saying with like the blood flow aspect is like when someone has an injury that they're like, oh, my shoulder just hurts and it will never heal. Like they had an injury, but it wasn't similar to like when you sprain your ankle, you have this acute inflammation that rushes to the area. It swells, there's blood flow. And like I've sprained my ankle, unfortunately, a million times and it heals itself, right? But you're saying that there are areas across the body that don't have that blood flow. And so healing's just tough. Like you might end up with kind of like a long-term injury. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. And as we age, that ability to heal decreases over time. So Mm. part of the natural aging process is you're going to get less swelling, less of that acute blood flow when you do injure something, but as on a negative side of that is less healing potential as well. And so even things like people who have sprained their ankle over and over, I like to think of it kind of like a bend, don't break. Your body's really good at bending, but not breaking. And so- it can break certainly, but it takes a lot of force. Typically, usually what will happen is when we're younger, we rack up all these little injuries. We heal from them. We go back to normal and we don't really notice any difference. Yeah. Get into our forties, fifties, sixties, or even younger, depending on how hard we are on these areas. We may have areas of chronic pain because all those little bits of injury eventually culminated. Mm -hmm to the point that your body was no longer able to heal it back to what you would consider a normal state. So yeah. even if they feel normal, a lot of times, if you've injured them multiple times, they don't look normal under an ultrasound or an MRI yeah. or something like mm-hmm. that because the body healed it, but didn't heal it all the way. It healed it 99% or 98%. Sure. But if you do that 10 or 20 times, well now you're at 60%. And yeah. so that's a big difference in function.
0: Totally. So Maybe we have these areas that aren't fully healing well or still give us pain and stuff like that. And when you're really taking out the PRP from your blood or the stem cells, which is typically from the bone marrow, is that right?
1: Yeah. So we use, there's there's kind of a whole slew of things inside of bone marrow. We, to be honest, we don't really know exactly what works or how it works. We just know that it does tend to work for these types sure. of things. And so mesenchymal stem cells, mesenchymal stromal cells, they are cells found inside of the bone marrow. They're pluripotent, which means that they can theoretically turn into a few different other types of cells Some other things that are found there are HSCs and EPCs and all kinds of other stuff in that soup. And so we think that the MSCs do the most work, but we really don't know. What the analogy I typically use is that PRP is kind of like putting an espresso shot into the area of injury. So you're taking what's already there. And basically putting it into overdrive to try to create that last little bit of healing needed. Yeah. So it works for kind of mild to moderate injuries, it tends to. Whereas bone marrow, you're actually bringing some of your buddies along to do some of the construction. So it's more like a construction manager, a general contractor. Yeah. And along some more supplies to help kind of with that construction process. You know, neither's a magic bullet, neither works for every person every time, but for more serious or moderate to severe injuries. The bone marrow for a lot of things tends to do pretty well.
0: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So essentially PRP and stem cells, they're injections. So you're putting them into specific points using a needle. And it really is just like a flag to your body. Like, hey, you haven't been giving this spot attention. Let's bring some attention and healing here. Is that right?
1: Yeah, exactly. It just... Your body with, by means of chronic inflammation, essentially starts to ignore things. Yeah. So once that acute inflammatory phase ends, if you don't get to a point that you're not continuing to create inflammation by use of that body part, then it turns into this chronic inflammation. And if you look at one versus the other under a a specialized machine that can evaluate what types of proteins are inside of that stew, mm. the chronic inflammation tends to have more cytokines or cell signaling messengers that cause things like cell death, disruption of tissue, mm. more inflammation. And so it becomes this really incredibly negative cycle of yeah. damage causes more damage, causes more damage.
0: Mm. Um, sure. The
1: ERP tends to, or the bone marrow concentrate. The, the goal is to break that cycle essentially yeah. that for more chronic type musculoskeletal injuries.
0: Yeah, totally. So yeah, I'd love to share my experience. So you started at Centeno Schultz clinic in 2018. Has it been yeah, that long?
1: 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So the summer of 2018, I've probably had four different sets of procedures. Does that sound right? Three?
1: I think you've had, yeah, at least four.
0: <laughs> A lot. And gosh, it's funny because Chaz is over here telling us the science about it and he He gets mad at me because I tell other people about it. And I'm like, it's a miracle. And he's like, okay, no, it's not. You can't say that.
1: (laughs) It's not a miracle.
0: (laughs) Results not guaranteed. But yeah, I mean, I have done procedures pretty much all over my body. In 2014, I was in a car wreck. I was just going straight on this road, minding my business. Someone was trying to turn left in front of me. Did not see my precious little Civic that I wanted to keep forever. And sideswiped, like hit me kind of at the front of the car, sideswiped the whole car. Sweet baby Ella was in the back. And since that time, I have struggled with some upper back intrascapular pain and neck pain and stuff like that. So Chaz has done a lot on those areas. And I feel like that's my only tricky area. And it's not perfect, admittedly, because... There's a lot of posture things at play and things I could do better that I don't. But as Chaz was saying, the stem cells are for more like a rotator cuff tear. And maybe we can go into specifics there in a second. But I haven't needed stem cells for anything. But just using PRP all over my body, there is nothing that hasn't worked. So Chaz, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm a very loose individual. (laughs) <laughs> which ends up being a problem from like a musculoskeletal standpoint. So I had some clicking in my clavicles, my AC joints. I've had some tennis elbow, not from tennis, probably more from yoga that he's treated that is gone. From birth, you're going to remember better than I will, Chaz, all the things you've treated. But I had uh, – what did we do
1: The pubic symphysis?
0: My pubic symphysis. So essentially you have like two bones and they separate during birth and then they go back together. (laughs) And I specifically remember Chaz telling me, so here's the deal. Some women struggle with a lot of pain just right in the front of your pubic area from this, from birth. And it's really lingering and painful. I did not have that. I pretty much only had pain when our kids would like run into our bed on a weekend and like jump on us. I would just have this like excruciating pain there but it was like very very specific to that instance and it wasn't life-altering in any way but when Chaz looked at it under ultrasound he was like Caroline I can't believe you don't have more pain from this because it looks like a dog has chewed both sides of your pubic symphysis I'm like well that's so cute thanks babe (laughs) so he treated that my hips have always been really loose and I have some pain there sometimes and he's treated that Have you treated? Yeah, he treated my knee after a ski injury. He's treated my really loose ankles. I mean, you guys, almost every joint. I know, babe, there's a lot more joints and tendons and ligaments. But for me, it feels like almost every joint. And what I will say about my experience is... If I get the pain meds during the procedure, I feel like it's like no problem. I did my first cervical joints, no pain meds, and I wouldn't recommend it. Though Chaz says people do it, and they're braver than I am. <laughs> but I would say get pain meds. And then the procedure's not bad. Because you're putting so much, like, fluid into these areas, it feels... The only way I know how to describe it is full. It feels full kind of like that day and the next day and the next day. And then a lot of times my pain is like 100% gone those next few days. That liquid just like really helps. And then from there, I get really sore. So it almost feels kind of like a sprain. Like that's what happens. Everything flows to that area and it feels sore. So the times that I've gotten like everything treated in my body all at once, I feel like a grandma coming down the stairs. I'm like, I can't move. But it's nothing overwhelming. It's just... Yeah, it just feels sore. And then after that, Chaz, tell us about the recovery process. Like, what should the expectations be? Because I think a lot of people are like, I want to feel better immediately, but it takes some time.
1: Yeah. So the other side of pain management and the stuff that I did in my residency was, more steroid type injections. The goal with steroids is the opposite. So steroids are heavy anti-inflammatories. And when you inject them in a certain area, the goal is to decrease inflammation, which certainly can help. And it helps a lot of people. It tends to be short-term though. It's more of like a Band-Aid as opposed to the big term for PRP and marrow Concentrate is orthobiologics. So orthobiologics, the goal is to tighten the tissue, make the joint fluid healthier, whatever it may be. So when we do that, we're taking advantage of that acute inflammatory process. So the first three to four days for most people are more uncomfortable or just as Mm -hmm. uncomfortable as they have been. Typically after the third or fourth day, the swelling subsides in most people and it becomes more manageable. Depending on the area you're treating, the expectation is it's going to take anywhere from two months to three months, or even up to six months in some cases to feel better. So usually when we're comparing that, it's, it's compared to kind of more of the surgical option. If it, if it's an appropriate case that would potentially Mm -hmm. surgery. So something like a rotator cuff tear, that's a high grade partial thickness tear or full thickness tear. That would be a surgical candidate for most shoulder doctors. Yeah. Recovery on that is usually about six to nine months. For some people it's closer to a year. Yeah. You compare that to a three-month timeline, three to four months to really feel a good bit better, then it starts to not feel quite as daunting, I guess, compared to- For
0: sure. Yeah. And let me just say this too, to be clear, for me personally, the first few days, I do feel pretty rough. Like I feel sore. I feel not myself. I can't really, I'm not like about to hop on a Peloton bike, but- after that like 72 hour period, I don't feel worse. Like it's not like, it's like a, a two to three month time frame of like pain and feeling worse. It's just the two to three months is more of a waiting period until like all of the healing has transpired and you feel better. Am I right in saying that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, It's kind of fighting the momentum of what your body usually does in these areas, which is chronic inflammation or lax ligaments. And it just takes a while for those cellular processes to kind of reverse into the direction of feeling better.
0: Sure. Okay. So would love to know if people are listening and they've wanted to try PRP and stem cell injections. Like, let's talk about the person first. Like, who is a good candidate for stem cells and PRP?
1: Yeah, so I think usually, I mean, it can be acute injuries, it can be chronic injuries, it's more common. So chronic being long term, acute being short term, or yeah. more said. It's more common in chronic injuries. So things like osteoarthritis, things like tennis elbow, golfer's elbow, shoulder rotator cuff, tendon damage, or tendinitis, tendinosis, tendinopathy. Those are all kind of the same thing. And in those sorts of issues, it can be used for spine. It can be used for toes. It can be used for fingers. It really just depends on the type of injury. But most commonly, most physicians that use this are using it for arthritis. Sure.
0: Yeah. And uh, you can treat bones, muscles, joints, tendons, ligaments, right? You're treating all of those things.
1: Yeah. The people that don't necessarily do as well with this because, and and maybe they do, but we don't have the research to prove it, are folks with chronic connective tissue disorders. So those people on kind of in the Marfan's world or Mm connective tissue disease spectrum, depending on where you are on that spectrum, your response to these types of injections may be less, may last less time, may, may need more frequent treatment. People with autoimmune Illnesses, they have different patterns of acute inflammation than people that don't. Sure. Like GI autoimmune issues or musculoskeletal, psoriasis, rheumatoid arthritis, mm. people that are on chronic steroids, the steroids sure. are going to suppress that immune response. And so they're going to also suppress the immune response from these injections. Yeah. So those, are, those are similar. Those are groups of people that don't tend to do as well. Younger folks tend to just have a little bit more healing capacity. So they don't sure. need as maybe as strong or as intensive of a procedure injection to get the same benefit. But older folks also tend to do pretty well for a lot of areas as well. I've treated your dad's back. and He's and like, my dad is and... also
0: like, it's a miracle. Yeah. My mom and my dad uh-huh. have told like every human at their church and <laughs> any human who will listen, especially at the beginning when they first got it treated, I feel like they were just like evangelists for Chaz. Yes. And they, I mean, like, yeah, they have responded really well. Yeah. We've treated like you've treated, we, do you hear me? I'm a doctor uh-huh. too. Just Thank kidding. You. you have treated like everybody in our families and they're all big fans. Okay, so what kind of specific injuries? Let's just talk about work best. Like when when does someone come to you and you're like, "Oh yeah, like chances are this is going to work for you."
1: Sure, I'll tell you the stuff that I feel like has the strongest research behind it. Sure. I think there's a lot of stuff that it still works really well for, but we haven't treated enough patients to be mm. able to kind of put that stamp of Clinical approval on it, yeah. But the things that we know it works really, really well for—tennis elbow, lateral epicondylitis—is is actually paid for. PRP is paid for by TriCare and some other insurance mm, because yeah. the the information or the research is there to back it. Mild to moderate osteoarthritis, PRP works really well for. I've actually published a couple papers on rotator cuff tendon injuries and bone marrow concentrate injections. We we had a response rate of about eighty five percent for what would otherwise be considered surgical rotator cuff. Yeah, totally. Side
0: note: You guys, Chaz likes to say that he's more published than I am.
1: (laughs) I mean, I am so far. He is
0: so far. (laughs) Okay, so rotator cuff, which is like a also side note, it's a really intense surgery. So I feel like people with rotator cuff injuries that can do stem cells, it's just like such a better, such a better situation than that surgery is pretty tough, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, clearly it's not a good fit for everybody. There are bigger rotator cuff tears that- It doesn't make any sense. There's not, essentially there's not a scaffold there yeah. to heal on. So you need a surgeon to kind of pull it back into place. Yeah, You could consider something on top of that, but not without the surgery first. Sure. And then of course it's a cash pay procedure. So it's yeah. not going to make sense for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, totally. Speaking of, can you talk to us? I know specifically Centeno Schultz Clinic and regenix has worked really hard to get some insurance payments for stem cell and PRP procedures. Tell us about like the future. Where do you feel like it's going right now? It's just private insurance. Is that right?
1: Uh, So it's not private some... insurance.
0: Self-pay. Is that right? What is it called?
1: Yeah. So I could talk a little bit about that. So there are companies that essentially self-insure. They take on the risk of their employees in hopes to save some money at the end of the year. So these are self-insured companies. They tend to be bigger companies, but not always. There are some, I think we have some companies as few as 10 people that are enrolled into the program. But then we have bigger companies like, what are some of the big ones? Like Quick Trip has come on board recently. Mm some local gas stations, Boulder Valley School District and quite yeah. a few school districts around the country. So these, these are self-insured groups. They Their goal is to save money and we've essentially sold to them that we think we can save you money by avoiding big orthopedic surgeries. Right. Um, the So that's kind of where we are right now. Regenexx has, so I work for Regenexx now. I support their doctor network. We've got about 120 some odd doctors across the country and yeah. 75 to 80 clinics. I don't know what we're up to exactly right now.
0: Yeah. So um, to be yeah. clear, Centeno Schultz Clinic was the very first. They use the Regenexx platform, which can be kind of confusing. And so Chaz is now working for the platform itself and helping train doctors and do that kind of thing. Thing, and their X clinics across the country and world, question mark? Yeah,
1: yeah so we've got, I think, <laughs> six or seven international clinics. Cool. As well. So the future as far as insurance, we are trying to start, to be the kind of the first ones to use a database of procedures and we're yeah. working with some medical economics professors and researchers to essentially show that it is useful. It's worthwhile for mm-hmm. certain cases. And yeah. We've got some standardization across our network with kind of protocols and things like that. That's what it's going to take right now. One of the things I wanted to get into was kind of the bad actors.
0: Yeah. 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 Let's we'll talk about that. That's really,
1: I think what's keeping us from being able to progress with things yes. like because for sure. There's quite a few folks that are doing things that I would never do to my enemy's dog. Sure. But they're selling it for a lot of money in their clinic.
0: Sure. So, what are some of the products or procedures that exist in this space that you would warn people against? And before you answer, it's so funny because Chaz will see stuff all the time. It, it kind of reminds me, Chaz, of like when I see bad graphic design and I'm like, oh, that sign. <laughs> and it like kills me inside and you have learned. You're like, isn't, doesn't that look terrible? I'm like, yeah, it does look so bad. Good job. I feel like you see stuff, like whether it's like an ad in our newspaper or, you know, you'll, will like hear something on the radio or see an ad or something. And you're like, oh, that's illegal. Like, or like that doesn't work. That's not proven. That's illegal, whatever. And we see it, unfortunately, all the time. So tell us about some of the stuff that you're like, nope.
1: Yeah. So there's a wide spectrum. So some of the things you may see, like in your local newspaper, are ads for stem cells, which is a big FTC, Federal Trade Commission, no-no. All that stuff has gotten really locked down. So you really can't advertise for stem cells or things like that anymore. So Um, what is
0: the term used instead?
1: It should, be, it should be referred to as bone marrow that contains stem cells, which seems oh, a little shitty, sure. but it's it's just kind of, the I guess, the workaround. But it makes sense, too, because when you say, oh, I'm going to put a bunch of stem cells somewhere, it sounds like this magic bullet that's going to fix everything. It's mm. really not the case. We've got plenty of research that shows that this is not a panacea. This is not a, a treat all situation. So those things really can't guarantee any kind of results. Or if you see anyone that's saying, you know, 98% of people or 95% of people get better. There's very few things in medicine that have 95%.
0: Seriously of though.
1: Um, yeah. Maybe nothing. And so certainly this does not fall into that category. There are people who, and it, it is used to be more prevalent than it is now because of some of the FDA changes. But there are people that used to sell what they called umbilical stem sorts. Yeah. So the short story is that basically these mothers donate their placental tissue at birth from a hospital. The hospital sells that placenta that was donated to them at no cost to them for money to a tissue bank. The tissue bank irradiates the tissue and kills all the cells inside of it and then... Powder turns it into a powder form, ships vials across the country, and tells doctors, chiropractors' offices, wherever, that they can just put a little saline in there, and these are live cells. This is a little bit like, what what were those things when, maybe it was a little bit before our time, but you know the you would like sprinkle the seahorses into the little, (laughs) it's kind of like what's going on. It's not real. Wait, but Um, did
0: they turn into (laughs) seahorses?
1: No, no. But they were so small that nobody knew any better and so it's kind of I'm what's dead. going on with these vials too i mean it's there's really nothing alive in there now there are some things yeah. in there some growth factors there's some things that can help with healing but they're not stem cells they're no live sure. cells to, to kind of organize a healing process it's more of that prp espresso shot and it tends to be a less good p- version of prp and yeah. a version as well those are the big things in the u.s outside of the u.s the things that are done are things like iv stem cells yes stem cells advertised for things like parkinson's disease or erectile dysfunction Yikes. Or als or balding yeah <laughs> actually therapy does work okay for balding but it just it needs to be used frequently yeah. but things like iv stem cells they don't make any sense because you're putting this into a vein the vein eventually goes back to the heart the heart has to go through the lungs the lungs are going to catch 97 to 98% of any cells, any debris that's big enough to be called a cell before it gets to the other side and then pumps out to the rest of your body. So the theory is from these practitioners that the cells are just going to go where they need to go because they can home in to the area that's damaged. But that's not really how this works. They don't cross the blood-brain barrier, so there is no reason to expect that any injection in your vein is going to go through your brain, a blood-brain no. barrier, to heal no. a stroke or to heal MS or to heal Parkinson's disease. So there's just a lot of bad actors out there. Sure. I think there are some people that just don't know what they don't know. They've bought the lie that the the sales rep sold them. But there's also a lot of people who are just trying to make money at whatever costs. And so- yeah it kind of remains a dangerous space.
0: For sure. And then I feel like one of the other things that we've seen is like, okay, so people in your field that are doing these procedures are either trained in physical medicine and rehabilitation, and you did hundreds of procedures in medical school, or like anesthesia or something that like procedures are part of the game. Mm -hmm. And one thing that you have seen a lot of is like chiropractors doing these procedures and they're most likely using far inferior products like you're talking about, like amniotic products, and they're doing blind injections. Can you tell us how like a blind injection just like straight into your neck is different from what you do at CSC?
1: Yeah. So they they typically have to use nurse practitioners or mid-level providers or mm. hire a doctor because in most states, chiropractors are not legally allowed to put a needle into somebody. And so they'll usually use a mid-level provider. The mid-level provider oftentimes doesn't have image guidance training. Sometimes they do. And so they don't use anything like an ultrasound or an x-ray to confirm needle placement. And they're doing these things that blindly. So they kind of use landmark guidance to palpate and push a needle in and essentially hope that it goes in the right spot. Yikes. Which can potentially work for the high-dose steroid injections because they're such a powerful anti-inflammatory that if they're anywhere close, they'll probably help. But with things like PRP and bone marrow Concentrate, it's got to be right on the money. It's got to be right where the injury is, where the depth yeah. is. And so I wouldn't recommend anyone do any... Injections like this without someone who's using image guidance, at least. And then the other question that I typically tell folks to ask is what is your concentration mm-hmm. for PRP specifically? So we know yeah. from research in our own database and research abroad. That most of the most of the research that says that PRP doesn't work, if you look into how they actually made the platelet rich plasma, they didn't actually concentrate it. A lot of these papers say they are PRP, which is generally considered to be at least two times the concentrated blood. But when you look at how they did it, they're only one and a half times or they're 1.8 times. So they're not essentially strong enough to elicit a response, but they still write the paper that says it doesn't work. And so if you don't get the right dose, just like if you don't take the right dose of a medicine to deal with the issue, you're not going to get the response you're looking for. If you took 20 milligrams of Tylenol instead of 500 milligrams of Tylenol, you're probably not going to get any pain. Yeah.
0: Makes so much sense.
1: A lot of folks that do this don't know their concentration, which is again, another problem. One of the benefits of the network that I work with is that we have, we call it a flexible lab platform. So we can essentially order up the different concentrations we need for different things. I know that a 90 year old's neck joint doesn't need the same concentration as a 20 year old's nerve injury. They're very different. And so Mm. it doesn't make sense to pull the same concentration for each of those issues. So when I come up with a treatment plan, I go essentially line by line, structure by structure and say, I want this concentration and this volume for this structure. I want this concentration, Mm. this volume for this structure, Mm. because I know that different structures need different doses to to get those
0: No, I didn't know that. That's awesome. So uh, yes, I feel like overall It's just a bummer that there's so much noise in this space. There's so many people doing bizarre things, so many people doing things they weren't trained to do, and... Then it just gives the whole kind of industry a bad rap that like, you'll hear someone say, oh, I tried PRP and it didn't work. And then I'm like, I have so many questions. So yeah, I mean, I do feel like what you guys are doing, I mean, it's worked for me, it's worked for our family. So if someone's listening and they're like, man, this sounds great. This sounds kind of like the holistic route that I want to take for my injury. What's the best way for them to... I mean, you recommend Regenex. So what's the best way for them to like find a clinic near them?
1: Yeah. If you're looking for a Regenex doctor near you, you can go on the website, regenix.com, and find one pretty easily. You can also yeah. find our outcomes are listed on that website as well. So if you want to yeah. know what do people with knee arthritis, how do they do mm. with injections, it'll give you essentially a five-year kind of outcome range oh, of function cool. and pain relief and that sort of stuff. And and while I think that Rigidex is really great and it's probably top of the line as far as what's available right now in the US. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are doing good work that aren't within the Rigidex network and so mm-hmm. I think it's totally fine to find someone who's reputable near you a lot of times the university systems have someone who's published who goes mm-hmm. on you know speaking and, and does sort of this stuff even if they don't work with kind of the Flexible Lab platform, they hopefully at least know what they're talking about and know when someone's not a good candidate. That's important yeah, too. Being totally. able to say, you're not a good candidate, don't waste your money is
0: yes. maybe
1: more important than being able to say when someone is a good candidate. I've no, turned I down agree. a lot of people and told a lot of people, go get surgery. And I've yeah. had people tell me, I don't care if you think I should go get surgery. I want to try this anyways. But I'm going to tell, and I think whoever you see should be able to tell you essentially what your chances of a good outcome are. So are you a good candidate, fair candidate, poor candidate, and they should be part of a database. So there's a couple different ones. Regenix has our own database. There's also one called Data Biologics that is more for specific private clinics. So anyone that is doing regenerative procedures should be part of a database so that we can mm. use information to justify what we're doing. And it's always great to have someone who is a published author as well. that Has shown some interest in developing these techniques, injections, and growing the field.
0: Yeah, totally. So good to know. Well, I usually ask guests, where can people connect with you further? But you have nowhere to connect.
1: (laughs) I enjoy being disconnected.
0: If you have questions, feel free to DM me because, yeah, I can ask Chaz. And uh, you've also answered all of my final questions on the show. So maybe I need to switch them up since you've answered them before so thank you Chaz, for being here today it is always such a treat to chat with you it's my
1: favorite podcast to talk on
0: i know exactly and listen to you're probably also the most frequent guest and probably most frequent listener so thanks for your support and i know you'll be back on again
1: we'll see i love you